Ready? Born ready. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Paulette. You know, today I was trying to think about what would be our conversation for today. And I decided I'd just sort of invite you into another aspect of my life where I spend quite a bit of time in doing the things that I love. But this is one area that was sort of instilled in me from a child, from my dad, and that's the world of construction. And um, it's, it's amazing because a lot of times when I tell people that's what I do for a living, I do uh, complete um, build-outs, whether residential, commercial, or I do home renovations, custom home renovations. And um, people are surprised. But, you know, um, right now we're in a season where construction is being dominated by females of of every aspect. Um, we are known to be good in construction for many reasons. One is because we pay attention to detail. And this often brings savings as to material costs. And it also saves a lot of energy that goes into um, mistakes that are made and have to be customized uh, because of those building mistakes that was not caught early on in the process. So I am not unique in this field. Um, it, I'm, I've never been unique to it. it. The female has always been a part of this process and not just from the standpoint of being home interior designers, but actually the engineers of design and civil engineers, electricians, all, all of the mechanicals. So I wanted to sort of just give, um, some insight if you're in this season, because right now we certainly is in a period of inflation where cost is on the rise right now. But a lot of times during these interim periods, it's an opportunity for you to do a lot of the pre-planning of what goes into a construction project if you don't want to get started immediately and sort of help you narrow down um, what would be some of your desires. So um, as I said earlier, my father, um, when he started out in construction, um, he wasn't as knowledgeable in the field himself. He actually um, was a sharecropper on um, Mr. Roberts' place. And he, my mother, and my older brother would pick cotton. And, um, and my father was just an entrepreneur at heart. And he knew that one of the... Hold on. They was picking real cotton? Yes. That my, uh, my dad... Down in Monroe. Down in Monroe. He and Damn. my mother, literally, when you go down to Monroe now, and I actually visit that place uh, quite often just to, you know, just just amazing where my father came from because for him to reach the status of being a millionaire, a self-made millionaire with no education beyond the eighth grade. 
is just unbelievable. But when you see the cotton fields that he, my mom and brother was picking, you would understand it would give you a drive like no other. Because <laughs> it was like an, that, that um, if I don't make any mistakes, it was a total at the time, like 100 acres that family owned. And my dad, my mother, when she had my oldest brother, she literally um, nursed him in the field. And we had, a, they well, my dad and mom had a German shepherd that watched my brother to make sure no snakes got to him. And as soon as he got old enough, he was picking cotton with my my father. And my brother Paul and Keith, they came along as children. Paul had a very vivid remembrance of doing it. Keith just was a little bit. Because by the time what my dad did, he found it was... um. It was either four or five. I have to sort of recollect their names to to know. But I know it was Mr. Jake, uh, Mr. PC, Mr. Kemp. These three men were the town alcoholics, but they were the most skilled brick masons in the town. But all three of them were alcoholics and they struggled really hard um, because of it. And their family suffered. So my dad um, made a deal with them. He was like, and, and this was the the other, what played into the deal he made. In the wintertime, it's so cold, brick masons typically can't work. And so if they have not saved for the wintertime, they literally are in a starving state. So what my father proposed to them, he was like, I'm going to go out and get brick work. I don't know how to do it. But what I'm proposing to you guys, I am going to give you a salary year round. Whether in the wintertime, you don't have to worry. I am going to make sure that you have your same check through the winter. If you teach me how to brick. And the other catch to it is you have to agree that I can take half of your check every week and give to your wives because you all are alcoholics so that they don't suffer. They made that deal with my dad and push forward. He taught my brothers and before my dad was 50 years old, he was building, um, laying, uh, commercial projects that was worth over two, $3 million back in that day. You know, like in the 80s. And um, that was huge money back then. And then as a black man, he had A1 credit um, in our hometown, but no bank would ever loan him beyond $500 on his name. And he moved. uh, He didn't move. One day he was doing a lot of work in Snailville, Georgia, which is right outside of Monroe. And the bank seen his work, and that man loaned my dad the first $10,000 without any collateral, and his business took off. And my dad, we were a family of professional singers, so we traveled in the summer, and my dad had this prominent brick company that 
uh, we um, he kept going year round. And so he ended up breaking Carrie Paul Ford, who, who uh, the Ford dealership, he bricked his home. The gentleman um, in Loganville, his name is Carl Newton. He sold his home to Burt Reynolds. My father bricked his home. He bricked um, the MVP player, Dale Murphy, with the Atlanta Braves. He bricked his home. Phil Necro, he built, bricked his home. It was just some of the, the A-list people that he bricked for. But he, it was very important to him that he made us very multi-talented. He taught us music. Then he taught us all construction. And uh, he never intended for his daughters to be in construction. He just wanted us to know how to do it. But, you know, you it is very difficult to tell your children, do as I say and not as I do. So <laughs> all of his daughters ended up in construction. One sister uh, ended up working in the brick business with my brothers and my dad. My baby sister has been a union uh, carpenter for for at least 25 years. And I became um, a general contractor. I, I always had a skill of bringing a team together, somewhat like bringing the family together and just sort of administratively handling everything. But you have to, to be able to administer, uh, administrate construction. You have to be very clear of what the steps and the process is and how to pay out so you don't get taken advantage of. And so I I learned that from my dad. And of course, uh, by the time I was 18, well, no, 16, I was a teen mother. I started doing uh, construction job cleanups. And then I was complaining a lot about, you know, painters leaving paint on the wall. And the builder said, well, give me a bid to paint. And then he was, I was talking about, you have to caulk so much because the trim guy is, you know, not doing his cuts right. He was like, give me a bid. And by that time, I got in that scope. I met Eldridge Sr. He was electrician. And the rest is history, you know. So, you know, and after my um Born ready. <laughs> exactly. After my divorce, I um I didn't really want to sing as much. I didn't want to travel in the capacity of of professionally singing. I wanted to be able to just sort of um travel without the responsibility of doing it in music. And so I ended up really spending a lot of times in taking on projects that I could complete and then take several months off at a time. And, um, and I, it was a little bit of an eye opener to me because I had always worked in the capacity of a company with Eldridge, my ex and then staff, but then starting over where I'm handling everything and I'm hiring the staff. It was a little challenging just from the standpoint of it was overwhelming, not to the point of me not being familiar with what I had to do, but it was quite overwhelming to to the responsibility of it. And um, But I have found 
lately that a lot of women are finding new ways as I did myself, new ways to invest your money, um, to get into flipping homes or either buying homes wholesale or even knowing how to just put a good offer on a property you want to buy based upon the renovations that may need to take place or the repairs that may need to be done immediately for you to move in. So I wanted to sort of give you an idea as an audience. Um, the components that goes into construction is one is there's many ways a project can be completed. And in the construction world, we call this construction delivery. How do you want the project done? Because when you choose how you want the project to be done, it would directly affect the cost of the job itself. The most conventional way is to hire a contractor. Now, most of the times when you hire contractors, they're contractors from different ranges. But if you get a licensed and insured contractor, the biggest of his cost is going to come from his overhead. That is because he's carrying or she is carrying insurance and workman comp and his price cannot be matched to the guy who does not carry that. And that is why a lot of times when one guy say to put this one day in, I'll charge you $150. And then a company comes in and say, that'd be $550. The difference is, that 150 is you're going to get what you got. And if something goes wrong and you go to look for that guy, you may be able to find him. You may not. But the $550 contractor comes with if he does that and two months later it falls out of the wall and you can't reach him. Guess what? You can call up your local institution who license contractors, you can get his license number and you can file an insurance claim and get it done with him or without him. So it is going to guarantee an assurance that there is going to be a level of consciousness that is going to go into your job. And even if that contractor does not have a level of professionalism that is acceptable, you have a recourse. So a lot of times when you're trying to understand the disparity of pricing, just keep in mind a lot of that is profit and overhead. And of course, you always have to give consideration to people cunning. But this is an, uh, another uh, resource you can use to get a ballpark of what something should cost. If you go on Google and say for your state, in your city, what does it cost, an average cost for this particular item? Um, it could be to change a front door. You're going to get a price range of generally what that would cost from the low end to the high end. So you, this gives you the market value. So when you begin to call on contractors, begin to get the details, if possible, of what all that entails. Because in generally, this is another tip that you 
will know most of the time when you're getting an estimate. The estimates that are free are called concept estimates. That means you tell the person what you want done and based on the generalization of what you're asking for, they'll say, uh, this costs between this amount and that amount. But as you take on the project um, and begin to give descriptive clarity as to what type of door, what type of window, what type of handles you want on the door, then you get a more exact estimate. So these are the details that you want to look for in a contract because um, typically when people come out and give an estimate, they may be doing five or 10 estimates in a day. So they give a generalized cost so that you can sit down and look at that estimate and see if it's within your budget. And they don't give a whole lot of detail, but as you're moving into the acceptance of the contract, you may see some things may be adjusted in pricing or they will set allowances like if for the door. If you do not give the exact type of door that you want, most contractors will give you an allowance. Just say, for instance, if doors can range from $200 to $4,000, they will assign you an allowance that says $400. And should you choose a door that is $600, you just pay the difference. And the labor and everything is already included. So um, the second form of delivery is instead of using a contractor, you can be your own contractor. The only thing that is a concerning of you being your own contractor will be directly linked to your knowledge of what needs to be done, how it needs to be done, and how to pay out um, for the project to be done. One, another resource that can help you as a contractor be more sure that it's done correctly and it is being done by um, someone who is knowledgeable of the skill set that is needed would be that you pull a permit. You know, anytime that you do anything that is structural, uh, any kind of mechanicals, which is electric, uh, electrical, HVAC, or um, plumbing, these things are monitored by your local code office. That way they they inspect the work to make sure that it's done correctly. And if you are paying now, you only want to pay a certain amount um, and every project varies. You just want to give the contractor just enough money to get the materials. And you can tell him, I will buy all the materials. You do the work. And then based upon passing inspections, then I'll pay you. That way you can be um, very safe. But not every project um can be managed in that way, in that simplicity, because construction can become complex. So the third alternative is to be the contractor yourself and hire a construction consultant. 
That way, the construction consultant acts as your superintendent. And he or she does all of the work and sort of open up the um, the knowledge of, of how the project have to be delivered, what the cost should be. Um, they gather the subcontractors for you. And in doing all of this, they get a percentage of the cost of the job. But where it pays for itself, because you're not paying for profit and overhead, that is with a, a contractor, you're able to use a construction consultant and get the exact cost of what it would take. And of that exact cost, the construction consultant will make a percentage of that. And it stills put you either at what it would have been to hire a contractor or less. But what it does do, it gives you a hands-on experience of what it takes to do a construction job. It gives you a hands-on experience of how to do the construction job. But at the same time, it may give you savings as well. So those are how projects are delivered. And, you know, and in the time that we're in now, adding on or upgrading homes can be an opportunity for you to create um, a an increase in the value of your property. And oftentimes people say, well, if I paint it, if I put new trim in or crown molding, will that raise the appraisal on my property? Most of the time when you're doing surface things or things that just the aesthetics are made more upgraded or more beautiful, those things typically do not raise the appraisal of your property. But when you do upgrades such as upgrade a, a kitchen or a bathroom, those things would directly affect the the value of um, your home. Um, kitchens and bathrooms are typically two items in the area that has made homes more sellable. They, um, they are also an opportunity for you to add luxuries that may not have come with the home. And these, these things um, typically in selling the home or going to do a refinance, they do raise the equity in your property and give you an opportunity to not only enjoy an upgraded uh, construction project, but it also gives you uh, an opportunity to um, create equity in which you can pull out of the property and invest into other things. So construction is a wonderful thing to know, even if you get into the basic understanding. Today, we talked about the delivery and I will later on do a follow-up of how once you choose the delivery of how you're going to um, go about completing a project, then I can tell you the next um, area in which this works um it coincides with the other areas of administration and actually doing the work and how all these things compact 
um, impact the cost. So I I think women, you're really good at this. We do, you know, we're we're good at decorating. We're good at buying furniture. We're good at creating ambiances. And so if you're thinking about an industry that, um, you know, even now, if you go on to YouTube, you see all of these shows where do-it-yourselfers, people are getting involved in, in upgrading their homes and fixing things. I think one of the easiest, um, even though it is not an easy skill to master, but it is an easy place to start in understanding what it cost to maintain your property is to start with the areas of painting. It is a process that goes into painting that is much more complicated than buying a gallon of paint and taking a brush and putting it on the walls. Um, There's a lot of preparatory work that goes behind that layer of paint that ensures the quality of it. So I just wanted to give you an introduction. So the next time you're thinking about um, doing anything around your home or thinking about investing in property to flip it or buying it wholesale, these three areas are very important. It's very important to know how you're going to complete that project. And that is called construction delivery. You can either have a contractor, you can be your own contractor, or you can hire a construction consultant who will work directly with you as your superintendent. Keith, you may have remembered, you know, coming into Atlanta, um, what used to be the housing projects here, you know. You mean like where they put the hospital? Yeah, what Grady is, what all of that used to be. The fourth war area? Yeah, yeah. Where Martin Luther King Center is, that that area? Yes, well, you know what? When you're coming in on 20 and when you're getting to like Capitol uh, Hill. Oh, okay. Okay, right. All of that used to be the housing project. Mm -hmm. Well, it was a a, uh, African-American sister who came to the city of Atlanta and said, if you want to improve the um, economic growth of our impoverished community, we need to change these projects and make it into um, complexes that would house everybody. Don't just take single moms who are on welfare and place them into the projects. Let's build complexes that will house people who needs income um, assistance with people who are paying regular rent. Mm. And so now when you come into Atlanta, a lot of people don't notice it. We don't have the projects right there in the city anymore Mm. around the perimeter. And when you look at those, um, she designed and built those um, housing complex is there and made it multifaceted for as um, the inhabit the the people who the residents so when this came into place it really wasn't something that was very popular here in Atlanta um, at the time now it has become a normal practice where you have the mixed use between that of 
income assistant residents versus incomes uh, residents who their income meets the requirement to pay the regular rent. But it did improve the quality of living for the whole community. And um, so the next time you are looking around your city and just look at how reality TV is is inundated with women who are doing doing this type of work. Yeah, I, about, I was about to say that uh, selling Tampa. Yeah. It's on Netflix. Yes. Those women are selling multi-million dollar homes. Um, they have one that's about to launch for Atlanta, I think, on, on Lifetime, I think. Right. And so when, when Eldridge and I was together, we did 13 episodes on Flip My House. And uh, <laughs> it was it's, it, it was an exciting time. It was a new opportunity for us to do, e- even though that's like a whole season right there. Yeah, it, it really was. It, they break it down. It the one thing that I love about um, having so many experiences, I learned that reality isn't always reality. You know, they sort of stretch the or embellish the truth about how long it takes to do something in the process. But the process itself has a lot of reality to it. That becomes universal. The process is is universal, but the way it is projected is not always the way it happens in real life. It's, it's marketed for TV. So... You know, but it gives you an opportunity to see all the things that can happen. They don't always happen that way, but it tells you the reality of contractors running off with your money, you paying too much before it's due. All these things are are real life issues that people are faced with in construction. But oftentimes in reality TV, these things are prompted to to give interest and to also raise concerns um, to people to be aware of. Because you, you have to think about this. If a reality personality is very informed, they would not be hiring people who do poor quality work. It would be pointless. That That is where the reality becomes entertainment. So a lot of the things that you may see that they are calling out sometimes are not things that a real contractor would be doing, but you need to know these are some of the possibilities that you can run into. But I really enjoyed that time. And, you know, and I do think if you're interested in this industry, it would be a great idea to Find a show that you like and begin to just sort of educate yourself in the process and all the vocabulary and just understanding as much as you can so that when you're ready for your next project, you're not coming in as a novice. You're coming in at some level of advancement. And so I love it. I've been doing it for over 30 years now. I'm beginning to... um, train in my friends, uh, my children. My children has always had some knowledge of it, but not as intensely as as they know it now. And I certainly hope to train my grandsons in, in this business. 
But I thank you again for attending another episode of the Simply Paulette podcast. We're here every week, every Sunday, just having simple conversations around simple solutions on issues of life.